This program was first broadcast on Canterbury's access media station, Plains FM, and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. Next on Plains FM, it's Addictive Eaters Anonymous On Air. Welcome to Addictive Eaters Anonymous on Air, here on Plains FM. My name's Louise and I'm an addictive eater and the host of this show. This is an opportunity to share with you about how Addictive Eaters Anonymous works and to talk with an addictive eater who will share their experience of recovery from addictive eating. Well, how does AEA work? Sobriety in AEA is freedom from addictive eating and or mind-altering substances. AEA members achieve sobriety by sharing their experience, strength and hope with each other and living the 12-step program of recovery as a way of life by regular attendance at meetings, getting a sponsor, working the steps, keeping in contact with sober members and carrying the message of recovery. Members are freed from addictive eating and the obsession with food. At the heart of the AEA program is the spiritual concept of surrender. I'm in the studio today and I've got Alyssa with me. Welcome, Alyssa. Hi, Louise. Lovely to be here. Nice to have you here. When I think about you and seeing you come in, I thought to myself, this beautiful, young, slim woman, what is she doing in a food fellowship? What was going on? Mm -hmm. Well, what was going on at the time is I was desperate. I might have looked fine on the outside, but on the inside I was feeling pretty desperate with where my life um, had become. I had been in another 12-step fellowship where I had worked the 12 steps, but was feeling there were things in my life that weren't getting better. Particularly, you know, I had a lot of anger inside of me and didn't like the way I was treating my children. I was really struggling to be a mum, particularly. And I had this thing with the food, this voice at the back of my head, an obsession, which just kept blabbing away all day. And I couldn't really stand who I had become or the voice in my head. And so I actually heard another couple of members from this food fellowship sharing at a meeting. And when I heard them share, I felt compelled, actually, to come to a meeting. Yeah. So that's what brought me in the door. Okay. Mm. Often when I hear you share, I do hear you talk about this sense of discomfort in you. And I love mm. when you talk about you didn't quite feel like you fitted in your skin. Mm. Can you tell me a bit yeah. more about that? I do. I often share a story about being maybe seven or eight. And I remember a lot, I would lie in bed and I would stretch and stretch and stretch and stretch and try and fit my skin and it would really irritate me because I never felt like I could fit. And I, it's, it's quite a good physical story of actually how I felt relationally with other people in my life. I always felt irritated with people around me. Would put on a good face. You know, a lot of my life I put on a happy, smiley, caring kind face, but on the inside I did feel very irritable with things around me. And of course at the time when I was little, I thought that was just because 
I was the only girl in a family with three brothers or because of how other family members around me behaved or other events that had happened in my life, I blamed the way I felt on those things. But as long as I remember, I've been that way, probably even before those things happened in my life. Yeah. And so how did the food sort of begin to manifest in your life as being perhaps a little unusual? Mm, I think the food was probably always there in different ways. I just had a fascination with it. I would do funny things with afternoon tea. You know, when I had access to the kitchen as I got a little bit older, I did a lot of playing with food. But I don't think the food really kind of gripped me and took off until I was at high school and I heard a friend sharing about being on a liver cleansing diet. She was a little overweight and she was doing it to lose weight. And I was really fascinated by it got the book and read it all and you know this idea of being able to change the way I looked and the way I felt on the inside by using food so I started with the liver cleansing diet and that just morphed into all these different types of eating as a way of trying to solve the way I felt on the inside Hmm. so I I know also from hearing you share is that you grew up in a Christian household and have Hmm. a very deep belief in God so why do you think that didn't work to relieve you of that sense of discomfort mm. it's a very very good question and I used to think about that a lot actually I didn't ever think about God in relation to the food I didn't think God cared about what I ate but like you said, I grew up in this family with a strong faith. We were very involved in our church community. I had a strong spiritual hunger. I was a real seeker as a teenager. I'd get up early in the morning and do Bible study. But it never seemed to change the way that I behaved. And I really struggle with that, that I kind of loved having this idea of a higher power and I loved all the idea of these different morals and living a moral way of life, but it actually didn't seem to change me. And even when I was in this other program working the 12 steps, those 12 steps didn't really seem to change me either. There were things in my life that just weren't changing. And then I came into the Food Fellowship and heard about the way that having an obsession can block our connection with God. And what I have found in my experience is that when the food went down, all of a sudden I was able to, I didn't know there was a fog in my brain, but it seemed like something seemed to lift when I went um, onto a food plan, actually, a weighed and measured food plan. And in that act, there was um, a surrender I kind of let go of my decision-making around what I was going to eat and when I was going to eat and how I was going to eat. And in that surrender, something shifted in my thinking. And I have found that one of those shifts is I've been able to connect with a higher power at a heart level that I was never able to before. I'm very, very grateful for that. You know? Yes, because who who would have thought who you would have otherwise never have mm-hmm. known? Yes, how lovely. Yeah, is it challenging having a strong faith and also working the twelve steps, or you do you mm-hmm. find that they come together in your life as a whole? Yeah, I love that you've asked that question too, actually. And the reason I love that you've asked that question is I I often have Christians call me saying that they're struggling with bringing together 
their Christian faith and the 12 steps. I have found for me, I was challenged by that at the beginning, but today I feel like I'm living a double blessing. I get to live this Christian life, which I love, and I get to live the 12 steps, which actually fit very well together. And I feel like they just come together in the person that is me today. I have a sponsor who I can be 100% honest with, and for that I'm grateful because that means I can talk to her about, she understands the 12-step program, but I feel like I can talk to her about my faith at any level I choose to, and she is willing to work with that. I've never felt like I'm doing the wrong thing or that I shouldn't be discussing it. It very much comes together in the life that I live today, if that makes sense. It does. Mm. It's lovely, lovely. Mm. Yes, the joys of the program, excuse me. Oh, my God, I'm going to cry on air. <laughs> How beautiful. So does that mean, Alyssa, you came into the 12-step fellowship and bang, it was all easy and you no longer had your obsession or compulsion around the food how did that look I wish it was that way I think I continue to um, have issues around the food, around thinking around the food, probably for another couple of years after coming in so I was on a food plan I feel like in my heart I was surrendered in the sense that I knew I had an issue with food and that I, I didn't want to eat it, but the thoughts were still there, like I still want to eat this, or when the family having fish and chips, I want to have it too, or when I walk past the fridge, I want to open it and see what's in there that I can eat. So that thinking was there, like I say, I think for probably another couple of years, but that just gradually diminished over time. I wish I could turn off my thinking. You know, as an addict, I can't really afford, I can't afford to get angry or um, I have to be very careful around uh, resentment, getting frustrated with other people because if I allow that thinking into my head it just takes me over and I think I will probably always be that way, I'll always have to be careful about those things. So it's, you know, it's a program that works when we work it, when we're willing to apply those principles. And for me today, a lot of that is around when I have negative thinking towards myself or others or situations, choosing to surrender that to God every time. And my mind doesn't want to. It loves reveling in self-pity and irritation with others, and but I can't afford it. It just makes me very mentally unwell when I choose to listen to that thinking very clear that the solution is the surrender and Mm -hmm. taking direction from a sponsor did you find that easy I mean I know I I hear you know the love you have for your sponsor and Mm -hmm. what a what an amazing relationship it is but has it always been easy to to hear those suggestions and to and to take them into your life no but It was such a relief to be able to let go of my own thinking. When I first came in, I knew there wasn't something quite right in my relationships and and all the blaming I was doing, but I couldn't actually see where I was wrong. And it was such a relief to speak to somebody else who could shed a light on my thinking and just say, Alyssa, like you could look at it this way or Alyssa just let go or my favourite is Alyssa that's just self (laughs) 
<laughs> which might sound weird to people outside the program, but it's actually such a relief to hear that my thinking is just, it's just my pride. It's just my ego. It's just me wanting it my way. And when I hear that from my sponsor, Alyssa, that thinking is just self, I know that the immediate follow-up solution to that is let it go. Just let it go. What a relief. Mm. You know, like I don't have to solve. I used to think I had to solve the world's problems and my husband's problems and my children's problems. And I don't have to do that today. Yes, yes. Mm. Living life like a loose garment, wearing Mm. life like a loose garment. I love that. So you've also had physical issues. You Mm. have diabetes, Mm -hmm. type 1 diabetes. So you're insulin dependent. Mm. So... Has that been something that's needed to be considered with the food plan? Is it something that was a little bit out of control before and now it's all perfect? Mm. How does that look? I wish I could have perfect blood sugars. (laughs) (laughs) That'd be great. So I had diabetes for probably almost 10 years before I came into the program, type 1. And I was a real grazer. That's, you know, I was constantly eating things. That's kind of mainly how my eating manifested when I was in the disease before recovery. And I don't think I really knew how much I was eating. And of course, as a type 1 diabetic, whenever whenever you eat particularly carbohydrate-based foods, you need to account for that with giving yourself insulin. And... Um, my blood sugars were often kind of high and I wouldn't understand why or they would be high and low and very dippy. And once I went on to a weight and measured food plan, of course, that cleared up almost instantly and I had the stability in my blood sugars I hadn't had for years. Unfortunately, it's not an exact science. You know, my blood sugars are not perfect, but they're, they're pretty good. And, you know, I actually feel like, say, sometimes when we come into the program, is this a matter of life or death for you? And I thought, ah, is the food a matter of life or death? I don't know. But if I continue eating the way I'm eating, the effect it has on my diabetes and my health, yes, will lead to death. <laughs> because it was not good. Mm. Um, mm. One of the other things I, I think I notice about you that I really love is that if there's ever a newcomer in the room, you are just so incredibly welcoming and so incredibly willing to talk to them. Always, right from when you were a newcomer, I really noticed that about you. Hmm. Can you talk more about that? I feel like that's very kind, Louise. <laughs> Maybe I'll just come at it from this angle. I love people. I really do, and I enjoy being around them. And one of the things the disease took from me was that ability to relate to people. And the recovery has given me that back, is giving me that back. It needs to be a present tense because I do still have some relationships where, you know, I I need to invest more love, if you like. But I do really enjoy, enjoy being around people. And so when a newcomer comes into the room, I love that I can look at someone and see their heart as God sees them and that the disease and all the kind of sick thinking they have is just this extra fluff in their life it's not actually them and it's such a 
a pleasure to sit in the rooms of AEA and to see someone come in with all this sick thinking and to gradually see it fall off them and to see the person that they are gradually blossom. I just, to me, that is such a beautiful thing. And I love seeing people come in. I wish more people stayed long enough to really get the solution and understand what it is. But, you know, everyone's on their own journey, aren't they? It's kind of God's timing and God's way. Absolutely. Mm. Yes. I mean, yes. Seeing people getting well is just the most amazing privilege. Mm. And I agree, it would be so lovely if we had more people, because it is such a lovely solution, but but a solution for the desperate, mm. the, the truly desperate, and, and you obviously had got to that point. Mm. Mm. So, mm. so where to from here, Alyssa? You just carry on working those steps in your life, coming to meetings. Mm -hmm. I love, Louise, that I can look back and see where growth has happened, but I can look forward and see where I still need to grow. There is no end of road in sight, you know, and I think that's the beauty of it being a spiritual program is that we just, our character is continually developing and we can grow closer to God and He's working with us in different ways, and I'm doing things today I didn't didn't think I would be interested or, but that I'm doing because that opportunity has been presented to me, and I just feel like that we'll just keep developing as life goes on. I've got a lot of people who have been in recovery a lot longer than me, and I love that I can look into their lives and you know see the changes that are still happening in them. That's very inspirational. It's changed my life so much that I can't really imagine my life without it. I I remember when you had been in the fellowship for perhaps two or three years you went through a a little period of being unsure you wanted or or needed to be in the fellowship and I remember Mm. feeling fearful that, that we would lose you. What was happening there? I think um You know, maybe if I could just go back to having grown up as a Christian and choosing that as, you know, my way of life. It was just that conflict between, and I hear this from other Christians, you know, I just want the Bible to give me the answers. And I have found that hard at different times, that I just want the answers to be there. I don't want to have to look outside the Bible to find answers. But the truth is, and this is what I have come to and settled with, there's a simplicity of living the program, the 12 steps, as a way of life that my Christian faith sits very comfortably into. And probably back then as well, I didn't trust my thinking at all. I felt like any thought I had must have been a sick thought. And so I didn't feel like the things that came into my head I could trust, whereas today... I have a lot more confidence in who I am and what I think. And um, if I think something that kind of has a Christian basis in the program and no one else in the program agrees with me, I don't really care (laughs) because that's who I am and what I believe. And just that's another gift the program has given is that kind of settledness of this is who I am. I'm Alyssa. I'm God's daughter. I have to work this program in order to live in the way that he would have me live. And I love that. But back then, when I was only two or three years into the program, I didn't have that kind of settledness. There was this questioning of, am I doing the right thing? Am I 
Mm. Oh, really good, really good that you obviously, in the end, could see you know the right the rightness mm. of carrying on. And yes, I love that how different we are in the fellowship and our different strengths and our our different ways of being able to articulate our recovery. And yet mm. together, you know, together we are just such a, a beautiful, diverse group of people, you know, with this God-centeredness, mm. living this life together. And, you know, there isn't a right and a wrong. There is just what, what I am doing. And it's, it's beautiful how we all contribute. Um, and I always love that your sharing often has that spiritual aspect to it. And, and also the hearing, you know, I always hear from you how much better things are in your family and with your children mm. and that's that's just always so lovely to hear mm. Mm. yeah God has given me a relationship with my husband and children that I didn't know was possible yeah mm. yeah I have a little boy who he's not little anymore he's just turned 13 you know but when he was really little was when I was at the worst of my unwellness if you like and I was very detached and angry parent and you know that that little boy will talk to me today he's not a little boy my young man (laughs) he'll talk to me you know he when he goes off to school he gives me five kisses (laughs) and he has said to me recently mum I would give you up three nights a week to go to a meeting because it's I do three meetings a week I give you up three nights a week to go to meetings to be the mum that I have today. And I'm so grateful that he says that because, you know, I've had a lot of fear over time that because I am out in the evenings during the week at meetings that my children are missing out on having me there. But he can see the change and he knows what this has given me. And I'm grateful for that because he knows there's a solution out there. If he's ever struggling in his life or he falls into addiction, I don't know what the future holds for him. But he knows that this is a program that can change people who are really struggling, who don't want their life anymore, into people who love their life and are easier to be around. Yeah. That's wonderful. Well, thank you, Alyssa. It has been just such a privilege having you here and, and listening to you, and it's been very beautiful and uplifting. Mm-hmm. Thanks thank for you. having me. Quite mm-hmm. all right. If you have heard anything today which you've related to or would like to know more about us, please go to our website, www.aeanz.org. There are three meetings a week in Christchurch, as well as a monthly worldwide meeting on Zoom. A podcast of our show will be available on iTunes and Spotify, as well as the Plains FM website, plainsfm.org.nz. Our show goes out on the fourth Monday of each month at midday. Thank you for listening, and I trust you go well. Until we catch up next month on Addictive Eaters Anonymous on air... Plains FM 96.9